Luke chapter number 2. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call it the four Gospels. The birth of Christ is only recorded in two out of the four Gospels. And when you see the purpose of these Gospels, then you understand. The Gospel of John presents Jesus as the Lamb of God, the light of the world, the only begotten Son of God. He was before the world began. So there's no need to record his birth. Mark picks up the ministry of Jesus, the miracle worker, the one that did things for others that no man can do. And so therefore in the gospel of Mark did not emphasize his birth. But when you come to Matthew and Luke, it was a necessity that they record the birth of Christ. Because in Matthew, he is presented as the king of all kings. And no king can take the throne if he is not in the right lintage. Can I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that he is in the right lintage. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Then when you come to the gospel of Luke, he's the man, the suffering man that died for the sins of every man, that every man may have an opportunity to know God's saving grace, And therefore, his birth had to be recorded because every man has a birth. And I'm here to tell you, thank God, because of that first birth he had, I can have a second birth to what he did upon the cross. When you look at these four Gospels, Matthew traces Jesus all the way back to Abraham. Luke, in his genealogy, traces Jesus all the way back to the first man, by the name of Adam. But the gospel of John takes him farther than anybody. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We come now to the book of Luke, chapter number two. It gives the most detail, even though Matthew covers it some. Luke, chapter two, gives in most detail that wonderful event about the birth of our Savior. And I've often been asked this, what is so important, not just about the birth of Christ, but the virgin birth of Christ? If he had not been the virgin-born Son of God, he would not have been the sinless, perfect sacrifice that could take our place upon the cross. Because all through the Bible, God had set a standard that only the spotless lamb could be offered. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you today that Jesus Christ was and is and always will be the sinless, spotless, holy, perfect lamb of God. I'm so glad we have the Savior, the one that lived, the one that died, the one that arose again. And I'm such a Bible believer, I believe he's coming again. And aren't you glad that he has offered salvation to everyone that had put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus. I want us to come to this recording of the birth of Christ and look at three verses in chapter number two. And there's a little word found and I want to enlarge upon that word. Look, if you will, in chapter two in verse number 7. 
And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in, say this word with me, a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Come down, if you go to verse number 12, chapter 2, verse 12, and this shall be, un- and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, say it with me, lying in a manger. That's the sign that you found the Christ child. He'll be laying, he said, in a manger. Come down to verse number 16 of chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. And it says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe, said with me now, lying in a manger. The word manger is mentioned three times in the Bible, and, the, and that's the only times. And all three times is in this text in relation to the birth of Christ. The little word manger simply means a crib or a stall. Most of the time it refers to a place where livestock are fed, born, raised, and kept. And someone said, well, why would the king of glory, why would the king of all kings be born in a crib, a manger, a stall, where livestock are born, fed, and kept? Well, the Bible said because there was no room in the inn, the little hotel where Mary and Joseph tried to find lodging for the night, there was no room for them. So they went outside to where the livestock were. I want to encourage you sometime, if you ever get an opportunity to go to the Holy Land, go. It'll take you five years to fly over there and back, but go. And when you go to, to, to the Holy Land, they'll take you to Bethlehem. And don't go visit the little church where they call the Church of the Nativity because that ain't where it happened. But at the base of that little church they call the Nativity are little places. You can't see them with the natural eye, but they're natural caves that are under the ground. And that's where the shepherds would take their flock away from the elements They were taking them little caves under the ground and they were called cribs, they were called stalls, they were called mangers. And no doubt when Mary and Joseph realized there was no room for them at that little hotel, they said just go on out in the shepherd's field. And no doubt they crawled in one of these little caves where the shepherd had their flock of sheep shielding them from the elements of the night. And no doubt it was in one little cage in the shepherd's field, in a crib, a stall, or a manger, where the King of kings and Lord of lords came into this world. When I saw all of that several years ago, I thought, how fitting, how fitting for the great shepherd and the good shepherd and the chief shepherd, the one that David said, the Lord is my shepherd. How fitting was it for him to come to you and I in a very place where the sheep 
and the shepherds would lodge. Because not only was he the shepherd, but at Calvary the shepherd became the lamb. And the lamb became the sacrifice. And if you read the book of the Revelation, he's not just the slain lamb and and the sacrificial lamb, but he's the sovereign lamb. For they sang the praises of him in heaven, worthy is the lamb. And just as Jesus, the shepherd, lamb, was born in that manger in the shepherd's field long ago. I'm glad one Thursday night in the month of June of 1979, not in Israel, not in Bethlehem, not in the shepherd's field, but in the manger of my own heart, in the stall, in the crib of my own heart, I'm glad he was born in me. And I'm glad that he lives in me. And he is my lamb. And he is my sacrifice. And he is my shepherd. And so think about that the three times the little word manger is mentioned in this text. I I love the old traditional Christmas songs. I love them. One of my favorite of all is Grandmother got run over by a reindeer. And the way some of you drive out Christmas shopping, we don't need a reindeer to run over grandma. There are some women in this church, if you ride with them one time or see them drive, you'll know why the Bible said in Acts 15, in verse number 5, and we let her drive. And four verses later it said, and all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now, I took a few verses out of context. But I I love the old traditional Christmas songs. I love them. I love Joy to the World. I love Silent Night. I love the song they played as an instrumental. What child is this? I love the one they sang. Mary, did you know, last week Roger took us to the third heaven singing Old Holy Night. But one of the songs we sang back Most all of us remember a little child singing away in a manger. Away in a manger, the little Lord Jesus lay asleep on the hay. Away in a manger. And that little word, away, sometimes it's an adverb, sometimes it's a prepositional phrase. It just simply means they're doing something else. In other words, they looked down into the hay and he was away. He was asleep. He was away in his sleep. He had moved into his sleep, away in a manger, asleep in the manger. But I want to preach today on that subject, away in a manger. But I don't want to use it as a word. I want to use it as a statement. Not just the word away, but I want to look at two different entities, a phrase, a, and then the word way. Because while he was asleep, while he was away, while he was in a way of sleep in that manger, he was doing more than away with his sleep in a manger. God was making a way in the manger. As the little Lord Jesus lay asleep on the hay, He was more than away in his sleep in a manger. 
God was making a way in the manger. In fact, God made the way in a manger. In fact, God made the only way in a manger. And if you ever see the city limits of the city of God, you'll have to go by a way, the way, the only way that God made in that manger. And that a way that became the way, that is the only way, is none other than what Jesus said in John 14, verse number 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. You say, now brother Joe, what is so important about God making a way? Well, I'm glad you raised that question. Because do you understand? Man had done his best to make a way. Man had tried his best to make a way. You see, man is not created in the image of a monkey. Man is not created in the image of a tadpole. Man is not created into a prehistoric tadpole that floated around in the ocean. Man was made in the image and created in the image of God. Therefore, there's a place in man's life. There's a place in his heart, his soul, his spirit, that can only be fulfilled by knowing God. Only God can feel that void, that chasm. And man's always had a thirst, a hunt, a desire. He's always known there was something in him that was void and empty. And man has spent and tried and invented and experimented everything he knows to do to fill that chasm, to fill that void, to fill that emptiness. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to make a way. I want a way that my conscience can be cleared. I want a way that my life can find fulfillment. I want a way where I can have peace, joy, victory in my life. I want a way that I can escape this world someday and maybe to this utopia place called heaven those Christians talk about. And man, since the Garden of Eden, sewing together with Adam and Eve's fig leaves to the Tower of Babel, to the pyramids and false gods of Egypt, to the modern religious man-made philosophies of our day. Man has done his best to make a way. In fact, the Bible said in the book of Proverbs that there is a way that seems right unto man. You say, but Brother Joe, these people seem so sincere. They seem like their heart is really in it. They seem to have good intentions. I will agree. I think it's a noble thing. I think it's a wonderful thing that a man would try to find a way to have peace, have joy, that his life may find fulfillment. I think it's a very wonderful, noble thing that a man's trying to find a place to spend eternity. 
And the reason why they are sincere about it, because it is a serious thing. And that's why the Bible said there's a way that seems right unto man. But can I quote the last part of that verse from our wise brother Solomon? Yes, there is a way that seems right unto man. But read the rest of it. He said, but the end thereof. The end of that way that they seem so sincere about. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many are there that go therein. Some have said, well, let's try the way of good works. No, let's try the way of being a good person. No, let's try the way of giving to charitable organizations. No, let's try the way of higher learning, the way of education. If we get everybody an education, there'll be no more crime. If we give everybody a place to live and plenty of food to eat and plenty of money to spend, then we'll have a better world to live in. And they're trying all kinds of ways. Uh, The way of money, the way of religion, the way of good works. And sad to say, ladies and gentlemen, some people's God is them. They're the hero of their own story. They worship themselves instead of God. But can I ask you today, the way of religion, is it enough? Absolutely not. Is the way of money and materialism enough? Absolutely not. Is the way of man-made, formal, dignified religion, is that enough? A thousand times no. And I'm not picking on any other religion because I'm going to tell you something. This building is not the way. I love this building. It's beautiful. God gave it to us. This is where we come collectively as a body to worship God, but the building is not the way. I love the light fixtures. I love the stained glass windows. I love the bulletproof pulpit, just in case you got any idea. But the pulpit will not save. I sat there and listened to that choir sing. Oh my, bless my heart. It is wonderful. But that's not the way. We pass the offering plate. Some people give online. Some people mail it. And and we couldn't operate the church without it. But you can't give enough money to take you to heaven. I love the mission projects our church gets involved in. We have a church in India. I talked to Jason Holt this week. He sent us some pictures next week of the Harvest Baptist Tabernacle in Chile. Up and going, running and full of people. Hallelujah. But that is not enough to take us to heaven. I'm so glad today in your busy schedule, you drove to this property, came into this room, and you got a Bible in your hand, and you're listening to me to declare the word of the Lord. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. But I can't take you to heaven. This message can't take you to heaven. This church can't take you to heaven. All of our ministries can't take you to heaven. Because man's way, the way of money, the way of religion, the way of prosperity, the way of materialism, it is not enough. Man spent 4,000 years trying to build, carve, weave, invent, 
A way to God. A way to joy. A way to peace. A way to fulfillment. A way to a home in heaven. But the more he wove and the more he weaved and the more he built and the more he invented and the more he tried, the further away from God he became. Oh, but that night under the starlit heaven, God made a way in a manger. God made the only way. God made the way. And there is no other way. I'm glad God made a way in a manger. Can I tell you today, the way Jesus made is the way to the Father. Why, every religion says, follow us. We'll take you to God the Father. Follow our religion and we'll take you to God the Father. You can know the Father, Creator God of heaven and earth, if you follow our way. But can I say to you, boldly but yet compassionately, if your way bypasses the cross, the tomb, the blood, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, Your way is just another dead-end circle of man's dead religion. Because the only way to the Father, the Creator, the Holy, the Infinite, Matchless, Sovereign, God of eternity, you must go the way of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is not a way or some way, or one of the many different ways. He is the way, the truth, the life, and there is no bypass to the Father. I called my wife the other day. I said, if you get out, please be careful. Because every human being that God ever created right now is on Jodico Road. Trying to get to Jonesboro Road. Trying to get wherever they're going. And I've been in this area a long time and I won't tell you. If this person is saved and I see them in heaven, I'm not going to speak to them for 10,000 years. Whoever the computer with that invented the app called Waze, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits and you die scratching. Because all these people on 75, when it gets to be a parking lot, which is usually every day, they pull out their cell phone and they'll say, Siri, By the way, how many of you think sometimes Siri has a nasty disposition? Turn here. And boy, you put on that ways out. And it says, here's the best way to avoid the traffic jam on 75. And they make a traffic jam in your neighborhood. And in mine. I was so flustered the other day, I started to just lean out the window and say, go home, go home, go home. Because everybody is trying to avoid the traffic jam between 138 and Locust Grove. And I don't know what happened in eternity past between Highway 138 and the Locust Grove exit that would cause the curse of God 
to be upon that stretch of highway. If you can go through that and maintain a Christian spirit, you got the goods. One of the greatest evidences that you're full of the Holy Ghost is you can travel there and not horn cuss somebody. Just say amen right there. Because everybody trying to bypass the traffic jam has got the side roads all messed up. Someone said, preacher, what's wrong with this world we're living in? A pile of crazy here and a pile of crazy here and a pile of darkness and sin here. Tell you what the problem is. They're trying to bypass that bloody cross on a hill far away where God made a way. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to go to the Father and meet the God of heaven, the Creator, the eternal Father above, hey, you got to go the way that God made in a manger. And God's way is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. God made a way in a manger to the Father. Can I say today the way that God made is the way to forgiveness. Boy, this world is trying to do something to relieve their conscience from all of the baggage. And there's a pastor somewhere in Atlanta today Telling his congregation, the more money you give, the more spiritual you'll be. Wrong. There's a pastor somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia today that's telling a congregation of people, keep the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor, be good to one another, give to charitable events, live a clean life, and one day your good will outweigh your bad. Wrong again. And I am not against the above. I believe you ought to give to charitable organizations. We are one of them. I believe you ought to be good to your neighbor. I believe we ought to be good to our fellow man. But there's only one way that's going to ease the conscience. There's only one way that's going to lift the baggage of sin and rebellion in your life. There's only one way to establish forgiveness, peace with God, and peace of mind, and peace of heart. And it's through the way that God made in the manger. Because there is no forgiveness without the forgiver himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I love to hear people give this testimony when they say, that moment, that moment I trusted Christ, Pastor. It seemed like the whole world, whoo! was lifted off of my shoulders. It's better than that because you had more than the weight of the whole world on your shoulders, Wesley. You had the weight of your own condemnation and the weight of your own sin and the weight of the dreadful thought that if you die in this sin, you'll burn in hell forever. But aren't you glad when you came by the way that God made in the manger, that burden was lifted and the load is lighter. And now there is forgiveness, there is peace, there is joy. You know God now because of the way that God made in the manger. Because that way God made in the manger is the way to the Father. It's the way to forgiveness. Can I say that way that God made in the manger is the way to fulfillment? I heard a man say the other day on the radio, he was talking, he was interviewing his 
person he said, Sir, I'm going to go and admit it to you. I have nothing to live for. There is no joy. There is no fulfillment in my life. I have nothing to live for. Now listen to me, old-timey preachers like me and the generation before me. We started preaching 30, 40 years ago that if abortion is not stopped, if the philosophy of abortion is not stopped, if there's nothing wrong reaching inside of the womb of a lady and killing her unborn baby, and if it wasn't alive, you couldn't get a heartbeat. That if we let that go unchecked, what would be wrong in going in nursing homes and convalescent centers and wiping out people like Hitler tried to do that could not contribute to society? The other day they interviewed this dude. I want to say a man, but he's, I don't know, he's a dude. And he's making this statement. That mankind has been so mean and ugly to mother nature. By our gas and our oil and our plastics and the way we've lived, we have been so unkind. He said this on uh, CNN. That sounds like something they would report. He said the best thing that man can do for mother earth is all of us just die. I want to say, would you like to volunteer to be the first one to go? No, he don't want to die. He made this statement. He said, we ought to maintain what life we got. Well, what a novel idea. He said, but to all you young couples, don't have no more children. Don't have no more babies. Now, now, Tom's kids, y'all have some grandkids before y'all swallow that philosophy. And, and they'll take them any time. Well, not quite any time, but they're ready. And Daniel, he said, don't reproduce no more babies. He said, if we'll just quit producing and just maintain what we got, one day we'll all just die. And the earth, that's what he said, can recuperate from the damage that's been done. Come here just a minute. I bet he's got some plastic in his house. I bet he drives a car. Well, he drives one in, you're going to plug in. Let me tell you something. All the batteries and these electric cars are going to do more damage to Mother Earth than the gas and the oil ever thought about doing. Wake up, people. I bet he drives a car. I bet he flies a plane. I bet he eats food that came from somebody's greenhouse. It probably came from a grocery store with air conditioning in it. I'm mad at the person that invented waves, but I love whoever it was whoop, that invented air conditioning. What are you saying, Brother Joe? He is telling us that man, it's just an entity and we've done damage to Mother Earth and the best thing we can do is all die and let the earth recuperate. That is a, per- a person with no fulfillment. 
They have nothing to live for. You say, but I'm here today and I don't have any peace. I don't have any joy. I don't have any fulfillment. I don't have anything to live for. We'll get a hold of the Christmas song. Long lay the world and sin and every pining till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. You know what God was saying in a manger that night to every man, woman, and boy and girl. Your soul is worth it. Your soul is worth it. Your soul is worth it. Can I tell you the way that God made in the manger? It's the way to the Father. It's the way to forgiveness. It's the way to fulfillment. Life begins at Calvary. Christ is our life. May I say today the way that God made in a manger is not only the way to the Father, the way to forgiveness, the way to fulfillment. It's the way to the future. I'm glad I have worth in this life. But the best is yet to come. I enjoy my family here. I enjoy my church here. I enjoy my life here. God is good. Life is sweet. It's a wonderful block of time. God has given all of us to make the best out of it we possibly can do. But aren't you glad when all of this is over? Our best life. It ain't now. Aren't you glad for a home in heaven? Aren't you glad for a place where there be no more sin? And no more trouble and no more trial. There's a place where we'll meet our family and our friends again at the shining throne of God. And that's been the basis of every man's effort. That's been the basis of every man's life. And I'm not knocking pots to Leon. But he went down out of Florida and said, I found the fountain of youth. I've stuck my feet in it and I'm still 60 years old. Because I want to tell you, there's not a fountain of water. There's not a bubbling volcano. There's not a sweet spring anywhere that can give us immortality, life after death. But my God, 2,000 years ago, under the starlit heaven, in the shepherd's field, in a crib, in a stall, God made a way in the manger. A way out of this world. A way out of hell. A way out of the fire. A way out of the judgment of God. And a way to a heavenly home. Right in the middle of London is a crossroads called Charlene's Crossing. It's where six roads come together right there at Westminster. And it's called Charlene's Crossing. For years and years, there's been a big tower there. And on top of that tower is a cross. And they light it up. And the store that I read one day said, there stood a bobby. Now, a bobby is a policeman. They just don't call them, call them bobbies. I wonder why. I guess they take that stick and bob your head with it. Can you imagine Clint Eastwood with a stick and not that Model 29 Smith with So this little Bobby finds this little boy and he's crying. He's gotten lost in these six intersections that come together at Westminster. He can't find, he's just lost. 
and he's crying and he's weeping. He can't remember his address. And finally, the policeman said, well, son, if you can't give me your address, I, I just don't know how I can help you find your way home. And that boy, that little boy said, sir, if you can get me to the cross and get me pointed north of the cross, I can find my way home from there. Lord, have mercy. This world is full of crossroads and junctions and highways going here and going yonder and going there. But I'm glad one day the Holy Spirit led me to the cross, pointed me north of the cross, and I'm glad the way of the cross leads home. Because God made a way in a manger. Early 90s, me and Lance Carpenter in a meeting together in Lexington, North Carolina. And we are unpacking our guitars and amps and our, all of the paraphernalia. And a preacher comes up to me by the name of Ray Vaughn and says, I've been writing songs. Now, when you do what we do, everybody tells you they've been writing songs. I heard a man up there the other night in this meeting. He said, I'm going to give you a song God gave me. And he starts singing, he touched me. Kind of funny, God gave it to Bill Gaither too, but. I said, well, talk to Brother Lance. He's the linguist among us. And he handed Lance a little piece of paper. And I saw Lance begin to cry. We got in the room and Lance said, I want to get to know him. Because he's got the gift of songwriting. In fact, Brother Lance gave that song to Mike Holcomb and Archie Watkins and the Inspirations recorded it, I want to say, 89, 90. And everybody thought it was a Christmas song, Away in a Manger. But he didn't use it as a word. He did it like I did today, the way of a phrase, Away in a Manger. And this is what preacher Ray Vaughn said. Man had fallen so far from his maker above He knew no way to ever be right. But a way was conceived for all who believe in the womb of a virgin one night. He says, a way out of the shackles that bound my poor soul. A way to to bind up and make my wounded heart whole. A way to the treasures of a heavenly home. A way in a manger for me. Oh, Brother Joe, I sure would love to go to heaven when I leave this life. God made a way. God made the way. God made the only way. Oh, Brother Joe, I wish my conscience could have an ease and there would be some stability in my life. God made a way in a manger. Oh, but Brother Joe, I wish I had something to live for and I could find fulfillment in my life. God made a way. In a manger. If you want to go to heaven someday and miss this place called hell, I'm glad God made a way. But the way that God made is the only way, and there is no other way. And I'm glad God made a way for me. God made a way for you. And He ever lives.
to make it real. Are you in that way? Have you found that way? Are you walking in that way? There is no other way. Let's stand together, Lord Jesus. We love you this morning.